Hey, guess what? Looking Up is about to start. Stay tuned. Say 
It's a beautiful Wednesday afternoon here in Newcastle and I am joined in studio by the wonderful Shell who is doing all of our music and making us all heard on the airwaves this afternoon. Thank you, Shell. And we don't have Pastor Danny in studio today, but... Sorry to disappoint you. <laughs> it's Justin again. Oh, why do you say that like that, love? It's so exciting to have you here. <laughs> yes, no, it's good to be back. And it's good to have you here. And we are excited to... Uh, we've got an exciting program for our listeners this afternoon. What are we going to be talking about? Mm. We're going to be taking a look at a Bible story that Jesus said would be replicated to some degree at the end of time. And so it's one uh, that God also tells us in his word to remember. And it's one of the only things that Jesus specifically says to remember in the Gospels. And so I'm really looking forward to walking through this uh, story together, Sharissa. Oh, very good. He's whet our appetite and we are still wondering where we're going, but it's an exciting subject, (laughs) (laughs) one that we don't want to forget for sure. Well, as we gear up for today's program, we should make mention of the fact that the last time we came to you, we came... Uh, from Stewart's Point, we had a broadcast from Stewart's Point up there last Wednesday, and our broadcast cut out because we had a power outage, and it cut out twice. So if you missed last week, you can get most of it <laughs> on our website, the faithfm.com.au website. There, are all of the past episodes of this program are uploaded as podcasts, and all the other programs that are aired on this network are there as well for you to listen to if you miss something or you want to go back and hear it again. Also, because this is a live broadcast, we'd love to hear from you. Our dedicated number for this uh, program is 04888 If you have any comments or any questions uh, that you would like us to address, about today's program or anything, please connect with us. We'd love to hear from you. You know, last week we were at what we call a big camp and we explained it here on broadcast when we were interviewing Herb Larson. But how did you enjoy big camp, Justin? Ah, well, it was, um, you know, it was a blessing. It was enjoyable. I would say one of the greatest highlights for me is catching up with people who I don't get to see very often and just having meaningful conversations with them. Um, yeah, that was definitely one of the highlights for me. There were also some very inspiring messages that I heard. I was helping out of the young adult tent. I still qualify as a young adult. <laughs> and uh, we had a, a great time there. Our friend Rome Ulia was back here. He was a pastor here in North New South Wales for many years. And uh, well, a number of years, not many, many as uh, young like us. But then he took a call, I think in 2019, was it, over to Washington State in the United right. States. And so he was back and he, he spoke for us in the evenings in the young adult tents. And a number of people decided to give their lives to the Lord in baptism for the first time and are, were preparing for it. So great time. Awesome. Well, we're going to share a little bit more about that when we come back. Right now, let's listen to Watermark as they bring us this song, You Are My Stronghold. my light and my salvation whom shall I fear if you are near 
Stronghold, and you're listening to a live broadcast of the Looking Up program. And I forgot to mention, you know, Pastor Danny isn't here today because he's actually at, at a, a funeral. funeral. Yeah, so, sad. yeah, it is a sad time for him and um, the family there. But we are here, and we are going to uh, share just uh, some news articles that have caught our attention, caught my mind, uh, caught my eye, rather, I should say, and how they relate to Bible prophecy and the soon return of Jesus. We love seeing how. What Jesus said would happen is happening. And when he said, when we see these things begin to happen, he says, look up in the book of Luke. He says, look up because your redemption is drawing nigh. And uh, one of the things that I'd like to highlight here today, there's a couple of articles, which I'm sure if Pastor Daniel was here, we'd have a lot more to say about them. But listen to this. You know, Jesus said in Matthew 24 that there would be uh, wars, rumors of wars, earthquakes in various places. Mm-hmm. And I even get, I have a, an app that sends me notifications every time there's an earthquake over 6.6 on the Richter scale. Wakes me up in the middle of the night. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite. But uh, this one, I've recently had two updates of 0.7, like 7 on the Richter scale. Mm. And this one is from New Zealand. This is an article here, Nine News. It says, the biggest earthquake we've ever felt. That's the title. Consecutive earthquakes rock New Zealand's North Island. So I'll just share a little bit about that. New Zealand's North Island has been rocked by a number of strong consecutive earthquakes this morning. That's today. This is April 26, just hours after a 7.2 magnitude quake shook the same region yesterday. So, yeah, that's definitely... Telling us the earth is shaking to try and tell us that 
time is short. Jesus mm. is coming soon. These these are all signifiers yeah, that absolutely. Uh, Jesus is coming. Um, and he called them, what did he call them? Birth pains. Yes. So it's just like, like contractions. Labor like labor pains. And uh, a friend of ours, she uh, was expecting to give birth on Friday. That's when she was due, and she had a baby yesterday. You were going to do a, a podcast with her, right? I was, and maybe we still will. Oh, okay. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so it can happen anytime. But these are all signs. Also, another uh, headline that caught my attention as I was reading the news is this one here. It says, germ bomb, polio, cholera among viruses kept in an ambushed medical lab. Listen Ooh, to this. Wow. A leading medical body has issued a green word of caution after a military group claimed a medical lab in possession of deadly viruses. Mm. Uh, why would this be something that we would think is interesting, do you think? Oh, well, I mean, we know in Matthew 24, one of the signs of the times that Jesus listed was pestilences, an increase in pestilences or strange diseases. And boy, a lab like that is just a breeding ground for strange new combinations of diseases yeah. and for, for them to really spread and take off. So that would be really bad. We need to be praying that uh, that gets under control. That's right. They say here that this is um, the fact that this lab is now in the possession of this group. It poses a high risk of disease and this what they call a germ bomb. It's a huge biological risk, they say, which is associated with this. Uh, moving on, one other thing that you're going to really love, Justin, I know you will find this very fascinating. This is uh, the headline here reads, Olympian leads backlash. And we've got our Wednesday <laughs> mowing happening. <laughs> Every Wednesday he mows the lawn at the studio. Right near the studio. It's so good that we can hear it live. <laughs> this is a very Australian thing to do, mow the lawn. I love lawn mowing. Do you like the lawn? <laughs> okay. So while the lawn is being mowed, and Shell's closing the window... <laughs> Olympian leads backlash as trans runner beats 14,000 women in a London marathon. Mm, wow. That's, uh, that's just four hours ago, love. Oh, wow. 14,000 other women. I mean, 14,000 women. Yeah. <laughs> 14,000 biological women. That's, um, that's really telling. I'm actually training for a half marathon at the moment. Okay, well. Yeah, so I have I no interest in finishing in a certain amount of time. My goal is just to finish at 21 kilometers just across the finish line. It'll be June. But, yeah, I'm not going to be racing against anyone. Imagine how frustrating and difficult it must be for these biological women to be outrun by a biological man who now identifies as a woman. Yeah, that must Listen, be so frustrating. I'll share the details. Um, Galenique Frank, 54, finished in front of about 14,000 of her competitors in a time of 4 hours, 11 minutes, and 28 seconds. She finished in the 6,160th place. The personal trainer ran in the 50 to 54 female age bracket but had not undergone gender reassignment surgery. This led to criticism by Olympian Mara, and I can't say her last name, Yama, Yamochi, can't say it properly, who hit out as organizers allowed for her to compete in the race, allowed for Frank to compete in the compete in the race, which allowed transgender athletes who had already assigned signed up to keep their place. So mm. <laughs> this is amazing wow. times that we're living in when uh, you can identify however you want um, and beat all those other women, 14,000 women. You know, it actually reminds me of a news story I, I saw two weeks ago or so where a Canadian man who was actually training female weightlifting athletes 
decided to join a weightlifting competition because there was a biological male who identified as a female for a number of years who set the record for female weightlifting. But according to the, the strictures, it was similar to this one where according to the guidelines, you only had to identify as female. You didn't have to biologically have had any hormones or gender reassignment surgery or anything. And so this, this male athlete identified as a woman and then beat the record by, I think it was like a hundred kilos. Um, and yeah, basically to prove a point. And it was interesting hearing the words of the, the, woman or the yeah the woman the individual whose record was beat um who said well it did make me kind of think maybe i do have a biological advantage over <laughs> these women and i thought oh i mean she still wasn't happy yeah. but it was interesting that at least that came out and so yeah some of these um rules and regulations aren't very strict if people who just decide to identify as the other gender uh kind of flippantly can do so and beat those in a different biological category mm. So true. This uh, just signs of the times everywhere. The world seems to just be out of control. Here is another one that's also very interesting here. And uh, it's the title is Supreme Court Case Tests Religious Tolerance on Sunday Work. Mm. Uh, let me just read to you a little bit about this. Um, this ruling could have implications in the workplace. And I should just tell you what's going on here. If I just get my article to come up for us. So the Supreme Court on Tuesday wrestled with the case of a Christian mail carrier who refused to work on Sundays when he was required to deliver Amazon packages. While the court seemed in broad agreement that businesses like the Postal Service can't cite minor costs or hardships to reject such requests to accommodate religious practices, it was less clear what they might do about the particular worker's case. Uh, it's very interesting. I was reading, too, that a Seventh-day Adventist uh, while we don't keep Sunday, the Seventh-day Adventist Church has um, religious liberty experts and advocates have explained that while it's not an Adventist case, this is one that nonetheless could have implications for all religious minorities, oh, including Seventh-day Adventists and, and several other groups, Muslims, Hindus, Orthodox Jews, etc. Mm -hmm. And so Adventists, the Seventh-day Adventist Church, has filed what is called an amicus curiae, a brief that expresses support for uh, this well, Groff's yes. lawsuit, that's the mailman that's, um, that's taken this lawsuit. And that's interesting that if, you know, according to Todd McFarland, who's the Deputy General Counsel of the, Sec of the General Conference of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, he says this case, the Groff case, represents the best chance of undoing the harm done 46 years ago by the Supreme Court when it interpreted the law contrary to what Congress intended uh, should the court correct its error from 1977, it will mark a significant victory for all people of faith in the workplace. And basically, since uh, 1977, there was a case between Transworld Airlines versus Hardison, which set a low bar for employers mm -hmm. to meet. The Supreme Court interpreted the title. Undue hardship, essentially. Oh, uh, you know all about it. Do you want to explain it more? Uh, basically, if the employers said that they were caused undue hardship by the person insisting on keeping a certain day of the week holy mm -hmm. um, or getting a day off because of their religious beliefs, then they could essentially go, you know, the employers could not have to give remuneration. They could fire the person mm -hmm. um, relatively easily. Um, but you were saying? Well, yeah, so that reproach, what you just described, has resulted in many employees having to choose between their religious day of worship and their job. Mm. So this the court will deliver its final ruling on this case in June. 
So it's very interesting yeah, to, to watch this space, particularly in light of what we understand in Bible prophecy. Mm, absolutely. Most definitely. Yeah, this would be good for many, many people who, you know, who have a, a sincere religious conviction and, and a desire to, to not work on a certain day in line with their religious beliefs. Um, I think it would be, you know, very positive, most definitely. Mm-hmm. And it would definitely be a step in the right direction. I actually never knew that the bar was so low because... When I was in America, and the same here, even though there's not this this law, there are laws in place to protect religious liberty. Um, I've written Sabbath off request letters for people to their employers and cited the various laws that are in place to protect people's religious, um, you know, religious uh, convictions. Mm. And so I had never had it not work writing a letter to someone's employers. Um, all of them, once they saw what the law said, they said, okay, we'll accommodate, no problem. So it's interesting to learn that the bar was so low and that so many people weren't able to uh, take a day off in line with their religious convictions. Mm-hmm. And certainly it'd be wonderful if it does go, you know, in a way that will promote religious freedom mm-hmm. uh, for all. And uh, we know, though, that the Bible does describe at the very end of time where that freedom will be significantly restricted, doesn't That's it? That's right. Absolutely. Where the Bible says eventually it will come to the point of a death decree. It says in Revelation 13. It won't just go straight to there. Of course, it will be stair steps. But um, definitely the Bible says that uh, pressure and economic boycotts essentially will be put in place. So people cannot buy or sell unless they receive the mark of the beast. And so pressures and whatnot are being put in place. um, But this would definitely be a step in the right direction toward religious freedom. And uh, instead of the other way around. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, here's uh, time. We've got time for just a couple more here. Uh, this is from the Financial Review. And it says how climate change could hit your mortgage. Listen to this. Banks are preparing to model the impact of climate change on their mortgage books at the level of individual blocks rather than postcodes. The strategy provides a more granular picture of flood and fire risk after the prudential regulator called for banks to find better quality data in its climate vulnerability assessments. Mm. Regulators want banks to understand how severe weather events can damage property, pledge the security for mortgages, and how business lending may be exposed to losses if various agricultural commodities become uh, harmed. So isn't that interesting? Mm, yeah, climate change. <laughs> it affects your mortgage. It's affecting every area of your life. No and kidding. It's certainly uh, being pushed. You know, a year and a half ago during the pandemic, maybe it was two years now, but a, around a year and a half or two years ago, there was actually a push. I think it was in the state of Victoria. It was in the news in America that um, one of the states in Australia, there was a push to enable one of the listed causes of death in an autopsy report to be climate change. Wow. Yeah. Imagine that. What was the cause of death? Climate change. Mm. Have enough people that die from climate change, quote unquote, climate change, then you can declare an emergency of sorts. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, that was an interesting first time we'd ever seen that happen anywhere. And it happened here in Australia. Mm. You can see how this common like climate, the concern for the world and the planet is something that can concern people of faith and people not of faith. Mm. It can be a very unifying place for everybody to find their, themselves on. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, It seems to be common ground, you know. And uh, who would argue with a day for the planet, a day for the family, just, you know, regulate and limit how much we drive or cut it out altogether. 
And uh, yeah, absolutely. It's a, a very unifying thing mm-hmm. uh, or th- is designed to be and it's kind of being treated that way. Although it's also a very divisive thing, isn't it? <laughs> you know, people yeah. uh, pushing for veganism. I happen to be a vegetarian. I've been one since I was 18. That's half my lifetime ago. I'm 36. But, you know, I don't push it upon other people and say, hey, you have to. But what's happening now with the plant-based food movement is that it seems like there's some people that are super aggressive um, saying this is the way to save our planet and you have to eat different food or bugs. Some people are <laughs> saying to eat bugs, of course. But um, it's not going to be me, is it, Shiva? So we're not going to eat bugs. No, I won't be cooking with any bugs. <laughs> um, did you want to make a mention very briefly about Fox News? Ah, sure, yeah. Very crazy. The most highly rated um, news analyst and news anchor in all of the United States and probably or possibly all of the world, definitely all of the United States, Tucker Carlson uh, was let go from Fox News. It was a mutual agreement to go their separate ways. And, you know, he's going to be even more popular now, I'd say. I mean, look at the mm-hmm. Joe Rogan podcast. He's not hired by any large news agency. He just does his thing online, independent show. And I think Tucker will probably do the same. Don Lemon, within an hour of Tucker from CNN News, was let go for a um, supposedly sexist comment that he made, uh, although maybe unintentional, maybe it was, don't know, but craziness happening in the news world over in America. And we'll unpack that a little bit more in just a few moments right now. Enjoy this song, The Lord's Prayer, and then we'll have the news and we continue these thoughts.
Hey everyone, you're listening to a repeat of our live show, Looking Up. That's right, and if you think this is good, you'll definitely want to tune in on Wednesdays at 3.30 to join us for the live event, because you can actually participate. There's a free giveaway that you can claim, you can text in your questions and prayer requests. Live is so much more fun, so catch you then. Faith looks up, sorry looks back, worry looks around. Good afternoon again. You are still here with us on the Looking Up program here on Faith FM. And uh, we're about to dive into our Bible study because we have something that's, I think, very relevant subject for today's program. If you have any comments or questions that you would like to raise with us here in this program, 04888 is the studio number for uh, which you can get you can reach us on, and as always, we have a prize giveaway. Um, we have how many copies of this one, Shell? Wow, we have seven mm. copies wow. available, and it's a little book. It's called From Calvary to Pentecost, The Weekends That Changed the World. Wow, mm. What a great um, title. A great Calvary to Pentecost covers Sounds the good. two weekends that brought profound change to the world, Calvary and Pentecost. The first was marked by Jesus' death and resurrection, the next by the Holy Spirit's presence and anointing. Mm. And so we will be releasing the code word for you in our future segments. Uh, and the first seven people to text in that code word will receive this beautiful book, Calvary to Pentecost. It's a little book of reflections written here, it looks like, by Peter Rowenfeld. Mm. Well, uh, Justin, it's good that you're here in studio. Happy to be here. Back from uh, your big camp <laughs> yeah. where I was with you on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, uh, we should confess, we didn't really camp. Yeah, that's right, Sharissa. Booked us an Airbnb in town in Stewart's Point. Yeah, I thought yeah. it would be much better because of little, little Judah, baby, not baby. even four months old. Yeah, and that was my excuse. But uh, that house that we stayed in was not without its um, surprises. It was kind of like camping. It was. <laughs> there were massive cockroaches <laughs> in the kitchen, and one night we came home and uh, went to the. She bathroom. screamed, and I went running to the bathroom, thinking there was somebody in the house or something. And there was a giant. I'm not exaggerating. Okay, maybe a little bit. But it was a very big frog. No, it was huge. It was like 10 centimeters. In the I mean, toilet it was bowl. Ma- and it <laughs> looked like a tree frog, you know? It wasn't a toad, one of those big toads. But yeah. yeah. So, yep, I couldn't wait to leave that house. But, yes, we enjoyed it. Next year, we'll do camping again. Back in a tent. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> Might be better. Well, yeah, look, we're, we're now going to begin our Bible study. And you said that we're going to study something today that's about remembering. Yes, yes. Should we pray? Let's pray. Yeah. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for the Bible that is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. We thank you that you have given it to us, that even though we may dwell and walk in this dark world below, we thank you for the light of your word that shines on our pathway And we thank you for Jesus, the living word who walks with us and dwells within us. Lord, as we study a very relevant story to redemption history and to where we are in earth's history, as history often repeats itself, we pray that you'll be our teacher today. For We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right. Well, Jesus um, told us a number of times, a number of things in the Gospels, but only... A few times did he use the word remember, and this is one of those times. 
where Jesus actually told us to remember. So, um, our show is called Looking Up. Looking Up, and that verse is found in Luke chapter twenty-one. Yeah, very good. Quiz time. You're passing with flying colors. <laughs> Luke chapter twenty-one. Danny does this to me too. <laughs> <laughs> like I come here to school sometimes. <laughs> So Luke chapter 21, Jesus said, uh, when you see all these things come to pass, look up for your redemption draweth nigh. Mm. Your redemption uh, draws nigh. And so before Jesus said to look up, he warned us about somebody who instead of looking up and looking forward, looked back. Mm. Yeah. Luke chapter 17, verse 32. Sharissa, do you want to read it for us? Sure. So the Bible says, remember Lot's wife. Mm. Three simple (laughs) words. Remember Lot's wife. Now, why is this relevant? Why would Jesus have said that? What did he say actually just before this? How about I read a few verses, Luke 17, same chapter. I'll read 26 through 28. You can read 29 and 30. Mm -hmm. All right. It says, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be also in the days of the Son of Man. They ate and drank. They married wives. They were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. And the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, as it was also in the days of Lot. They ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. But on the day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even so will it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. Wow. So Jesus says that not only will the world at the end of time, just before he returns, be much like the days of Noah. They would also be like the days of Lot. Mm. And then two verses after this, he tells us, remember Lot's wife. Mm -hmm. Hmm. There's a lesson here because the world is going to be like it was then. And God wants us to be not like Lot's wife was, but like those who were saved out of the city. Mm. Um, So let's take a look at the story. We'll go back in time and uh, check out this Old Testament story way back in the book of Genesis. Jesus was speaking to people and about people who loved him. Um, he's talking about the last days to his disciples, and he's talking about those uh, who love him essentially. And you know, we're he's giving li- them advice and counsel for the last days. That's right. He's speaking to to people who will um, be seeking his advice in the last days. That's right, and. Um, yeah. Is there anything wrong, Sharissa, with eating and drinking, selling, building, getting married? We got married four years ago. <laughs> I'm pretty happy we have. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she so concurs. There's, there's nothing wrong with these things. And I think Jesus isn't condemning them by saying that these were happening in the days of Noah. But I guess, why does he raise it then? Well, essentially because the people who love him aren't so absorbed with life that we forget that life's great purpose is to prepare for an eternity with Jesus. Mm -hmm. So Christ is communicating to us that these things are good and have their place, but we get when we get so absorbed in these things, it can cause us to forget the most important thing, and that's preparing for an eternity with Him. Mm -hmm. So Lot lived in Sodom. Um, What do we know about Sodom, Sharissa? Well, probably it's most famous for its name. Yes, yeah. was known for sodomy. Mm, that's true. In uh, today's day and world, I mean, I mean, day and age, we have that word sodomy that comes from there and from the sexual perversion that we read about took place. Um, the Jordan River threaded through the valley of Sodom to the Dead Sea. 
So most scholars believe that the remnants of Sodom and Gomorrah are beneath the Dead Sea or nearby. Now, this is fascinating. If you actually Google or go on YouTube and you search for the word sulfur balls, Mm -hmm. like, and, you know, Middle East, you can find this guy who did an amazing archaeological video um, explaining and actually showing these sulfur balls that are found only one place on planet Earth that they've discovered so far. They're actually in the part of the Dead Sea, um, yeah, the Dead Sea that was had water in it uh, at the time of the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. And uh, they would have hit the water, the ones that are left, they would have hit the water, cooled off, and then sunk into the bottom. And where the water has now receded, there's a whole bunch of dirt there, and there are these sulfur balls that you can just scrape out of the side of this thing. You can hold them with a stick or prongs, light them on fire, and they just melt. Hmm. Really, really incredible. So that actually establishes... um, biblically a really good conclusion for where Sodom and Gomorrah were. Um, but check that out. Archaeology, really fascinating. Um, but back then, it wasn't this dry, arid region uh, with all of this, um, you know, or very little plant and, and animal life, right? Sharissa, what was it like uh, yeah. back in the day? It's actually interesting, that, and I'm glad you raised this point, because I believe in Genesis chapter 13, verse 10, this area in the Jordan Valley is actually described as being like the Garden of God, mm. which is a echo back saying it's like Eden. Yeah, it must wow. have been a beautiful place. No kidding. I mean, Eden was made by God himself directly to be the most beautiful place in all of the earth. Mm. So, wow. Sodom and Gomorrah was a very um, beautiful place, lots of plant life. In fact, it says in Ezekiel that one of the reasons that Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed was idleness. You know, when a place is very arid, you have to work really hard to grow any food. Mm-hmm. But in a place like that, you could just, you know, spit out a watermelon seed and next week there's a plant and there's fruit growing, mm-hmm. right? So, yeah, very different to what it is like now. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Well, that probably explains why, as the story progresses, and you were probably going here, why when Lot first laid eyes on the place, he wanted to move in that direction because it was so attractive. That's right. Why don't we actually go back there, Genesis chapter 13, okay. and we'll check out what the Bible has to say. So Abraham and Lot, their herds had come to the point where they had grown so much that the herdsmen were arguing with each other and they were clashing. And so Abraham said, hey, we need to go our separate ways. And he actually gave Lot the opportunity to choose, didn't he, Mm -hmm. Um, where he was going to go, which he didn't have to do. Technically, he was older. Lot was his nephew. And so he could have said, I'm taking this land. You go over there. That says a lot about Abraham right there, Mm. his character. That's right. He was courteous and considerate. Mm. Um, So what does the Bible have to say in Genesis chapter 13? What happens? Yeah, do you want me to read verse 10? Yeah, feel free, go for it. So this is comes. This verse 10 comes right after Abraham says to his nephew, you know, take your choice, where do you want to take your flocks and your herds because they couldn't dwell together, they, they were too many. Verse 10 of chapter 13 says, And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, there's the God, mm. garden of Eden, like the land of Egypt as thou comest unto Zoe. Then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves the one from the other. Mm, Wow. So as he looked around and beheld this, Lot could hardly see anything else, it sounds like. And then the Bible says in verse 12, the next verse, it says, Abraham dwelt 
in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent even as far as Sodom. And another translation of that is towards Sodom or facing Sodom. Mm -hmm. And so there you go. Lot uh, was heading in the direction of Sodom, but he was heading in the wrong direction. Soon it seemed that Lot and his wife traded their tent for a townhouse and the <laughs> whole family moved into the city of Sodom. Wow, you know, there's a whole sermon just in that, that point there of the story. Like, he wasn't looking up, was he? No. <laughs> he's looking out, mm. and he's looking at the things of this world. And what you look at takes your your attention and draws out your affections. And his heart was drawn to the things of this world. Mm. That's what he's, uh, was all he could see. was That's what he was following. And I guess for us, you know, in as we live in this world today, 2023, you know, what are we looking at? What are we spending our time thinking on and, and mm. pursuing? Because yeah. that's where our heart and our affections are. Are we pursuing things of this mm. world which are temporary for every single person? We all have, you know, a life that will come to an end if Jesus doesn't come soon. Mm. And we don't know if we have tomorrow even. Mm. Or that's are right. we putting our hearts in the hands of God? Are we dwelling on the things of heaven and God and eternity, which are timeless? Yeah. Great question. And one one of the numerous indicators of where your heart is, is to check where your treasure is. Mm. How do you spend your money? Um, what are your assets you invest in? Because Jesus said, where your treasure is, mm -hmm. there your heart will be also. And so that's one way. Another one is your, your focus, like you're pointing out. Their focus was Sodom and Gomorrah. Um, it was Sodom and your time and your energy. Where do you focus that? And it's a, a good indicator of where your heart is. Um, man, should we move on to the next section? It's We don't have that much time left for this section, I was thinking. But um, the Bible says that Lot moved there to Sodom and Gomorrah. His family moved there. And you can fast forward essentially to when the next part of our story takes place, the next section, which will be in Genesis chapter 19, but you were going to say, Shavis. I just thought of another point for us and our listeners as we're going through this story is that um, Lot was given a first choice. Like mm. when you're in your youth as a young person, he was given a choice and he didn't know the far-reaching implication of that first choice. Many times, you know, if you're listening to this broadcast right now and you're a young person, you don't know where your decisions will take you. Mm. Um, but it's those first choices are so important because they take your life in a certain direction as we'll find in this story um, so how would we encourage people I guess to make a right choice I'd say get good counselors yes. around you surround Bible yourself says, with good mentors that's right in the multitude of counselors there is safety yeah um, the greatest counsel you can find is in the word of God Absolutely. from God himself yeah you know read the Bible pray ask God to show you ask him to close doors and open others and but really take advantage of of godly counsel of people who you know love God and walk with Him and want to please Him and know His Word. Mm. Yeah. Mentors that will help you see around the corners of the decisions and choices you must make. Yes. Well, we have so much more to unpack, I think, but uh, let's listen to this song, NYCP. Anyway, can't say those words <laughs> too many. I Know Your Works is the song. Enjoy.
CYCPD, uh, CD. <laughs> I know your works. Beautiful song, and I hope you enjoyed it. Well, you're listening to Looking Up Still, and we want to give away the code word now. Uh, we have seven books to give away, little books to give away. This one, this week, our prize giveaway is called Calvary to Pentecost, Two Weekends That Brought Profound Change to the World. You'll find this book will explore the intrigue, tragedy, and excitement of the first Easter and the evidence for Jesus' resurrection and the meaning of Pentecost when the, pest, the Apostle Peter explained where Jesus had gone and what he was doing. So Calvary to Pentecost is the book that we're giving away. And today's code word is L-U-REMEMBER-110. That's a code code, really. Like looking up, remember? Yeah, I guess so. Ah, very so um, L U remember one one zero. That's something you really want to write down. That's like a password or something for so, an online account. Yeah, that's L U number, it's got letters, it's got everything. The first two letters L U for looking up. Looking up, then remember, because we're talking about Lot's wife. Mm-hmm. And then one one zero just because that's a good number. So uh, LU remember 110. See if you can remember that. The number to text is 04888-17624. Text in the code word LU remember 110. That's all one word, no spaces, and it doesn't have to be capitals. And if you're one of the first seven people to text in, we will send this book to you. Excellent. That looks like a great book. Yes. And have to buy a copy for ourselves. Devotional readings. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, Sharissa, let's jump back into the story where Jesus said, remember, remember Lot's wife. Let's go back. Genesis chapter 19. We've set the foundation. We've seen that he and Abraham were going their separate ways. We've seen that it was a beautiful garden-like place that was like the garden of God. It was like Eden. And um, now let's fast forward to Genesis chapter 19, the story of where Lot ended up. His his tents were pitched towards Sodom at first, and now we see he's moved into Sodom. Mm. And uh, let's see what the Bible has to say. Would you read for us Genesis 19 verses 1 and 2? All right. Now the two angels came to Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting at the gate of Sodom. Wow, he's gotten real close. Like mm. he was looking at Sodom, moved towards Sodom, pitched his tent in Sodom, and now he's sitting in the gate. When Lot saw them, he rose to meet them, and he bowed himself with his face toward the ground, and he said, Here now, my lords, please turn into your servant's house and spend the night, and wash your feet, then you may rise early and go on your way. And they said, No, but we will spend the night in the open square. Mm. All right. So, not always are things as they seem. Isn't that right? 
Like when Lot moved into Sodom, he probably thought it was a wonderful city to live in, beautiful place, perfect spot to to raise his children, to have his family. Um, but even salt looks like sugar. Mm. And Sodom was definitely no holy city. Um, there were certain sins of Sodom that the Bible lists. They were proud. They were perverted. Um, they thought that life was all about cheap pleasure, essentially. And everything they did was corrupt and corrupting. Mm. Uh, they really loved sin in Sodom. It was all over uh, Netflix and, you know, <laughs> Facebook and YouTube and um, you name it, Instagram and TikTok. And all these, the sins of the world were glorified um, everywhere you looked, it seems. And it would have had to have been this way to turn out how we're going to discover in a few moments it actually turned out. We actually can't begin to imagine and wrap our minds around the degradation and the perversion that existed in Sodom. You know, they would dance the night away and drown out the, the nagging emptiness of their, their pathetic lives with as much drugs and alcohol and whatever else they could use as they could find. And they did everything, uh, everything sensual, everything vulgar, everything immoral. Sodom, this was... Sodom, and this is a picture of what life was Sodom. There was actually violence there as well. Sounds a lot like our world today. Yeah, some of our cities especially. You know, life was cheap, and pleasure lovers don't work, but they still want things. And so they take life to, to get what they want. They kill people. Pornography was rampant. Marriage was temporary. And ruined lives and moral decay were all the results of... Um, of all of these things. So, wow, Lot lived here. Going from being with Abraham, a man who ordered his household after him and walked with God, was called the friend of God. He goes from living with his uncle in God's ways into a world that was very hostile against God, didn't he? Mm -hmm. And um, I guess that's a lesson for us. You know, you may be listening and you may be a Christian who has a child or a nephew or niece, maybe like Abraham did, who who you are praying for to return to him. Mm. We want to encourage you today. Let this story be an example of the fact that God will send angels to help and God can work miracles of pulling them out of the places of corruption that they might be in. And so take courage, mm. have hope. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, another point that we notice here is, yes, I mentioned before, as I was reading the passage, you know, the Bible says that Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. It's interesting when you see someone who sits in the gate, usually the people who sit in the gate are well respected in mm. a place. So Lot is obviously respected in Sodom, That's right. perhaps because he was, you know, a man of moral character but also perhaps because he had compromised on a few things. Mm. Uh, it's hard to be popular in a place where people don't love righteousness yeah. uh, and still be righteous, like completely righteous. It's true. <laughs> so it's possible that he had, you know, made a few concessions um, with Definitely. his faith here in this place. Definitely. You wouldn't get honored in a place like Sodom unless you decided to be quiet about your faith to some degree, right? Mm -hmm. And maybe, maybe a lot of reasons, excuse me, Maybe Lot had reasoned, you know, I'm going to be a, a lighthouse in this dark place. And, um, you know, they'll buy my corn and my cattle and I can witness to them. So I'll just compromise in these certain ways so that I can reach them later on. But God wants us to be faithful to principle all the way along. That's true. Like he might have wanted to reach Sodom, but really Sodom reached him. Mm, so true. 
there's a progression as well back in Genesis 13 and 14, isn't there, Sharissa, with um with how it ended up happening with Lot? Mm. Like it says he was looking towards Sodom at first, right? Yep. So he goes from looking towards Sodom to pitching his tent towards Sodom to actually living in Sodom. Well, this is very important, isn't it? That's why this program is so important. We should be looking up because mm. it's the progression. <laughs> yeah. You won't go up unless you're looking up. That's like right. if you want to spend an eternity with Jesus, now's the time to begin that relationship with him. Yeah, amen. Absolutely. You know, Proverbs fourteen twelve says, and this is repeated twice in Proverbs. It says, there is a way that seems right to a man, mm-hmm. but the end thereof is the way of death. And so, you know, a lot didn't realize Sodom was this bad. Um, well, he wouldn't have initially known it was this bad, but do you think he realized after some time? I'm sure he did. Yeah. He'd have to. Definitely. It was so foreign to um, the faith that he had witnessed in Abraham's tents. Yeah, definitely. He would have seen the, the stark contrast. But this kind of speaks to us as well, and it communicates to us the reality that we can slide and drift with time mm. without realizing it. That's the danger of drifting. You don't realize you're drifting. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember, you know, we don't have flags that people swim between in America. Um, probably. That's why I'm always telling Justin, swim between the flags. <laughs> it's like, why? <laughs> it's like, there are no people outside the flags, but uh, why not there? But as you're swimming and as you're out there, whether you're bodyboarding or, or surfing or whatever, if you look at the flags for reference, you go, wow, I've drifted and I haven't even realized it. And, you know, those landmarks that don't move are like the principles of God's word. And, you know, we can be so affected by culture, so affected by our family and our friends and conditioned to what is accepted that we can actually drift from spiritually from the principles of God's word without even realizing it if we're not careful. So true. Good point. Yeah. So soon, Lot and his family would have dressed like the Sodomites, talked like the Sodomites, and ate and drank like them too. And so... They really fitted in. Yeah, they must have. I mean, like you pointed out, he was one of the leaders as he was there in the gate. Mm. And so, yeah, not a coincidence. And so, yeah, this is um, a danger for us too, isn't it, Sharissa? We can be pitching our tents towards Sodom Mm -hmm. without realizing it. Yeah, by what you what you visually consume in media and mm. what you fill your mind with, this is determining where your heart and your affections are going. Yeah, absolutely. Where, where your spiritual eyes are cast. <laughs> yes, definitely. And so our, one of our questions to you today is, is your tent pitched towards Sodom? Mm. Um, or are you looking up toward heaven from whence Jesus will come? So the Bible teaches, you know, that God has a limit beyond which he will not tolerate sin. And Sodom reached that limit. And, you know, God is love. So this sounds unloving initially when you, when you hear it. But the reason why God, uh, God has a limit in what he tolerates in sin is because he loves. Mm. God didn't want Sodom and Gomorrah to affect the rest of the region around it with all of its perversity and all of its terribleness. Because that would hurt people. Exactly. And God loves people. Mm. So it's because God is love that he eventually will put a stop to sin and to the pain that it causes. And so before God takes action against this wicked city, he decides to spare Lot's family. Mm-hmm. 
And notice the reason why. And this goes back to what we had mentioned earlier. Genesis 19, verse 29. Sharissa, would you read that for us? Sure. The Bible says, And it came to pass when God destroyed the cities of the plain that God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities in which the Lot, in which Lot had dwelt. Mm. So Lot essentially was saved because of Abraham's prayers. Amen. Wow. Yeah. As an encouragement. (laughs) Don't stop praying for your family members, for your friends, for your loved ones who don't know Jesus, who are walking contrary to his ways, who might be living in Sodom, Mm -hmm. so to speak. Mm -hmm. So spiritual strongholds come down when prayers of intercession go up. Mm -hmm. And some of us are actually here today because someone prayed us back to the Lord. Mm -hmm. Right? I think that may be me to a degree. I know my parents were praying for me in my teen years when I was far from God, and I'm so glad that they and my grandparents and others did. And so, interesting, as we look at this passage, we see that that uh, God didn't actually stop granting mercy until Abraham stopped asking for it. Hmm. So he started and he said, what if there are 50? What if there are 40? What if there are 10? But then he stopped there. And so the question that comes to us is, who are we praying for? Hmm. Who are we praying for and what are we praying for for them so yeah i think maybe we hit the pause button there ah we should just move on so (laughs) next part of the story really quick in the minute and 20 seconds we have before our next break god answers abraham's prayers one day and two angels arrive in the city of sodom as disguised as travelers so it's like a movie yeah yeah (laughs) really really interesting and um if you or I had been there, we probably wouldn't have guessed it, that it was like the last night that Sodom would ever have. Mm. Pretty significant, isn't it? Isn't it's it? like the last night in the Titanic. Yeah. Or last night in Pompeii before the volcano. Yeah, very true. Very true. And so they didn't realize there was a, a doom and impending judgment in the air. They didn't, uh, couldn't sense it. There were no weird omens in the sky. It couldn't be sensed or felt. And, you know, we often feel like we're invincible in life, don't we? Mm-hmm. And really, we don't know what day might be our last. Mm-hmm. And so we have to ever be walking with God and in tune with His Spirit. Um, the sun was setting and Lot saw these angels disguised as men come through the gate and he quickly picked them as being good men. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that's what ended up happening. He invited them into their home into his home, and they said, oh, we're going to stay the night in the the city square, in the city center, but he insisted that they come into his home, and they accepted. Okay, we have to hit the pause button there now. We're going to know what they ate in just a moment, but Abby Eaton is going to bring (laughs) us the song Sailor, and then we continue with the story. Show me what my life is 
song by Abby Eaton, mm. Selah. Okay. Well, we were in the middle of a story here in the Looking Out program and we had to hit the pause button. We, uh, we'll get to that story in just a minute, but a reminder to our listeners about today's prize giveaway. There are seven copies of this book available. What's it called, Justin? book is called Calvary to Pentecost, 50 Reflections by Peter Rohenfeld. looks like an excellent book. Definitely highly recommend it. Absolutely. And the code word is You can get, get it. Yeah, your very own copy by sending in and texting us at the number 04-888-17624. That's 04-888-17624. Just text in L-U, as in looking up, L-U, remember, 110. Mm-hmm. L-U, remember, 110. And we'll get you your very own copy of Calvary to Pentecost. That's right. If you're one of the first seven people to do so. That's right. Good way to get a good book. All right. I'm holding back from texting in myself. Amen. I really want a copy of this. <laughs> you can't do that, love. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, shall we get back to the story? Yeah, let's. So back to Genesis 19. The plot is thickening. Mm-hmm. Two angels in disguise go into the city of Sodom and Gomorrah. And um, yeah, catch us up to where we are. Sure, and just a reminder too, when you do text in, it's no spaces are needed. Just L-U, remember, 110, one word, um, and that will work. If you put a space in, it won't work. Okay, so you want me to catch you up? So you had us at the city of Sodom. Lot was in the gate. Two angels walked in, and Lot invited them to his home. And that night, that his wife, Lot's wife, would have made them a delicious meal. Mm-hmm. And I said that we'd find out what they ate after the break. And the truth is, the Bible doesn't say. (laughs) I just thought it'd be interesting to think about it. We'll find out in heaven. (laughs) But I'm sure it was a delicious meal. They would have had some relaxing conversation. And uh, as they were talking, and perhaps just before they were about to turn in for the night, the Bible tells us that there was a loud commotion outside the home. Mm. Lot, I imagine, and I'm using my spiritual imagination here, he probably looked through the window and saw that his house was surrounded by the men of Sodom. Let's imagine 50 people, imagine having 50 men knocking on your door in the middle of the night wanting to get into your house because they want your guests. That's basically the way the story goes. Um, in verse 5 of Genesis chapter 19, that's mm. what they wanted. They wanted the guests. And, uh, you know, what happens next in the story kind of blows your mind. They wanted to sexually assault the guests. They wanted to assault the guests. And so what does Lot do? He offers his daughters. It's crazy. So wicked. Like, so bad. And I've, I've wrestled with this as I read the story, and I wonder why would Lot do that? And the only thing that I can put it down to is that um, the sickness of the sin of Sodom, like Sodom had affected his mind so much, the way of the, the culture of Sodom had affected Lot's mind so much that he had been infected by its insanity so that mm. when he offers his daughters, he's just not thinking straight. And that's the only way I can explain it. Mm. I guess the lesson is sin is insane. Yeah, like there's true. no logical explanation. Yeah, terrible. Um, either would have been terrible, uh, but just absolutely horrible. So the men of Sodom didn't end up wanting his daughters, mm-hmm. and so they turned their attention on harming Lot, didn't That's they? That's right. And I think in the story, if we keep reading in Genesis 19, the angels pulled Lot back in, closed the door, and they actually 
made the people outside the home blind. All the men were stricken with blindness. Amazing. Yeah. And they were still groping for the door, trying to make it in. Well, that should have been a signal to them that this was a supernatural. Yeah. Like, you don't That's just right. make anyone blind. It's like, I can't see. Hey, me either. Let's still keep trying to assault these, you know, to rape right. these men. It's crazy. Just out of their minds with infected by sin. So Genesis 19, then we get to verse 12. The Bible says, The men said to Lot, Have you anyone else here? Son-in-law, uh, your sons, your daughters, and whomever you have in the city, take them out of this place. Mm. Verse 13, For we will destroy this place because the outcry against them has grown great before the face of the Lord, and the Lord has sent us to destroy it. Mm. Amazing. So suddenly, Lot would have realized that he would, was entertaining angels who had come to take them out of Sodom because after investigating the city, God wanted to wipe it off of the face of the earth. And this, as you were reading that, I couldn't help but thinking to myself, you know, this story, yes, it's situated back in Genesis 19, but wow, it applies to us here at the end of time where, you know, the Bible and Revelation, those three angels' messages, that there's a second angel that tells us that Babylon is fallen, is fallen, that mm. great city. There's another city yeah. that's going to be falling down. It's going to come down crumbling and it's fallen. Mm. <laughs> it's going to mm. be destroyed. And God is calling his people out of end time Babylon, out of spiritual confusion, as it were, um, at the end of time as well. So this is a story for today. There's mm. a lesson for us here. Yeah, so true. So true. Verse 14, it says, So Lot went out and spoke to his sons-in-law who had married his daughters and said, Get up, get out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city. But to his sons-in-law, he seemed to be joking. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't believe him. Nope. Wow. That says something. Yeah, definitely. And so basically, you know, in those twilight hours, Lot rushed to the homes of his family to convince them that, God's impending judgment was coming and to get out. But in the most serious moment of his life, his sons-in-law thought that it was a joke. You know, even in the, you know, even in the New King James Version, it says this. They thought he was joking. They said, Dad, you can't be serious. Um, that's sad, you know. Yeah. When people, when you're giving them a sincere warning that they're going in the wrong direction and they don't believe you, they don't listen, or they're convinced that God is leading them the other direction, um, it's something very sad and concerning, isn't it? Well, obviously, Lot's lifestyle had not been one of where he had really prioritized his faith. Because, you know, when he suddenly does and when he suddenly prioritizes what God says, his family think, yeah, right. Mm, <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah. That's okay. a very good point. Yeah. So, so, it says something about his spiritual walk up until then, didn't it? That's right. He'd obviously been compromising. Yeah, very true. You know, it's it's been well said that if your Christianity isn't contagious, it must be contaminated. Yeah. And Lot's lifestyle of compromise must have been seen by his family, and that sent messages for so long that when he had a serious message from God, um, his softness on spiritual commitments weakened the moment that was going to save his son-in-law's lives. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, do your loved ones know that you're serious about God? Good um, question. Do they believe, do they know that you believe that Jesus is coming? Does your life send that message in all that you do, in all that you say, in the way that you carry yourself, in the way that you speak, in the way that you live your life? Mm -hmm. If not, then your words may have none effect if our lives are not in line with the message of what we're saying. Would you read verse 15 for us? Sure. Charissa? The Bible says, When the morning dawned, the angels urged Lot to hurry, saying, Arise, 
Take your wife and your two daughters who are here, lest you be consumed in the punishment of the city. Wow. Pretty strong. Yeah. And, you know, you'd think that after hearing this, Lot and his family would have just run out of the city, just rushed out of the city. Um, but it doesn't look like they did. It says when morning dawned. So yeah. the angels were pleading with them all night. Yeah, they were pleading with them all night to leave the city. He went and he talked to his sons-in-law and they were still contemplating, do we leave or not? And you wonder, did they even possibly doubt the fact that it really was going to be destroyed? Mm. Um, yeah, so all night the angels would have begged and pleaded with his family to go. And for some reason, Lot actually felt safer inside an evil city than outside of it with God. Mm. Um, yeah, They just didn't want to go. Yeah, essentially that was it. And and you know, it's understandable when your friends and your your job and your life has been in a certain place, it's hard to move, especially when you haven't been able to mentally adjust to moving. But if there was a massive fire, you would have no problem saying, "Wow, we need to get out quick," right? Mm-hmm. But they couldn't see it because it hadn't come yet. And so it was this warning and probably there was a a question and a doubt as to whether it was really going to happen. Maybe they even wondered uh, for a while, waffling back and forth. But finally, when morning broke, the Bible says that the angels changed their tune. Mm. They said, arise, as you just read, literally up. It was a command of urgency, like, let's go, get out. And so verse 16, um, I'll read verse 16, and Sharissa, feel free to weigh in. It says, and while he lingered, the men took hold of his hand, his wife's hand, and the hands of his two daughters, the Lord being merciful to him, and they brought him out and set him outside the city. Wow. Angels actually grabbed these guys' hands. They grabbed the hand of each family member and ran until they'd successfully dragged them outside of the city in answer to Abraham's prayers. Mm-hmm. Verse nine, uh, 17, Genesis 19, verse 17. So it came to pass when they had brought them out that he said, Escape for your life. Do not look behind you, nor stay anywhere in the plain. Escape to the mountains, lest you be destroyed. Yeah, amazing. And you can't help but contrast these words of the angel with the words of Lot to the angels the night before. The night before, Lot said to those angels, he said, come, relax, spend the night at my place. No no urgency, no hurry. Mm. He had no idea mm. what was about to happen. But the angels, heaven runs on a very different program because heaven, God sees all things, God knows, mm. and heaven sees where we're headed. And the angels say, Escape for your life. Wow. And again, contrasting, you know, the message of the world. Ah, you know, enjoy this life. You know, live. YOLO. YOLO. You only live once. But then the three angels' messages say, hey, Mm. time to get your life. Give your life to God. Fear God and give glory to Him. Babylon has fallen. Harvest judgment has come. Choose Him. There's a mark of the beast's crisis coming. Stand with Jesus and make it through. Yeah. Yeah. Genesis 19. 23 and 24, the sun had risen upon the earth when Lot entered Zoar. Zoar was a little town. Then the Lord rained brimstone and fire on Sodom and Gomorrah and the Lord out of the heavens. Um, very interesting, by the way. It says in verse 24, the Lord rained brimstone and fire on Sodom and Gomorrah from the Lord out of heaven. Two lords. Two lords, exactly. One verse. Yeah, two lords in one verse. And that is because God is not just one being, but God is... A uh, three beings in one. Um, it says in the Bible, it's very clear that God says, refer to us as um, as three. We are three. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. 
And the Lord can reply, uh, can apply, the word Lord can apply to all three. In fact, the name Yahweh, from which we get Lord, does apply to all three. And here we see two mentions. Then the Lord rained brimstone and fire on Sodom and Gomorrah from the Lord out of heaven. So one was in heaven on the throne, one was on earth, and we see that he was with Abraham before, wasn't he? Mm -hmm. The judgment of God fell in liquid fire, brimstone and fire. Wow. Verses 25 and 26. So he overthrew those cities, all the plain, all the inhabitants of the cities, and what grew on the ground. But his wife looked back behind him, and she became a pillar of salt. So close. Ah, so tragic. So close. Almost unbelievable that she was on the very brink of being saved, and she just had one thing to do, to flee, to escape, and move forward, to look forward, to look up, but to not look back. Wow. So what was the complication? What was the problem, Sharissa? Why do you think that she did? Well, I've studied the story a little bit. (laughs) And I guess um, this is the reason why Jesus raises this as a point in in Luke chapter 17, where we were before earlier in the Bible study, you know, when Jesus said, remember Lot's wife, there's something about her, what happened to her that he wanted us to remember and I guess, um, I guess, if we go back there, maybe Luke seventeen verse thirty one, the Bible says that Jesus says, "In that day, he who is on the housetop and his goods are in the house, let him not come down to take them away. And likewise, the one who is in the field, let him not turn back." Remember Lot's wife. Jesus wants us to remember her because he doesn't want us to make the same mistake. Mm. Um, mm. She had her heart set on Sodom. And uh, we don't even know her name, (laughs) this Mm. lady. And Jesus doesn't say, remember Leah, remember Esther, remember Sarah. He says, remember Lot's wife, Mm. because what happened to her is important. And uh, I guess we could unpack these um, things as we keep going. But when we remember her, it's not just to remember the story, but he wants us to do something about Mm. it. Yeah, that's right. I mean, when God says remember about anything, it's important, isn't it? Absolutely. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. You know, the fourth commandment, very significant because most of the world, even the Christian world, has forgotten. The seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God, the Bible says in the fourth commandment. Um, And so here as well, Jesus wants us to remember Lot's wife. You know, it seems like a little thing, doesn't it? It does. Like you'd think, wouldn't it be okay if we could, if she could have packed her bags? (laughs) Like what's so big? What's the big deal about looking back? Mm. Yeah. That's a a great question. And did God turn her into a pillar of salt for a small thing? No, I believe that this was a a outward expression of the inward reality, like you mentioned, Sharissa, of where her heart was. Mm. Her heart was back in that city, not with God, not um, looking to that salvation that God wanted to bring. And we can learn a lesson from this. Absolutely. We're going to learn those next lessons right after this song by Marla King, Life Simple. I need to stop wanting what everyone has Just for the sake of having it I need to stop wanting what everyone has And take only what I can give with Make my life simple, make my life sweet.
give the keeping of my life to thee just for the sake of your life in me i give the keeping of my life to thee and fight for that all i can join You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Sometimes in my life I get so discouraged that struggles of life press me sore. Then down on my knees I call on my dear Savior for comfort though billows may roar. I've no thought of turning around, for I know I'm heavenward bound. Though straight is the gate and narrow the way, my Savior walks with me today. Trials, temptations, and strife But I've anchored my soul in the rock of salvation Blessed Jesus, the Savior of life I've no thought of turning around For I know I'm heavenward bound Though straight is the gate and narrow the way My Savior walks with me today everyone you're listening to a repeat of our live show looking up that's right and if you think this is good you'll definitely want to tune in on wednesdays at 3 30 to join us for the live event because you can actually participate there's a free giveaway that you can claim you can text in your questions and prayer requests live is so much more fun so catch you then faith looks up sorry looks back worry looks around Time is just flying today. This is looking at program, and we've been stepping through the story of Lot, the verse, basically. Remember Lot's wife. The story behind this verse in Luke chapter seventeen, verse thirty-two. Again, a reminder: the code word for today's giveaway is L U Remember one one zero, like L as in looking, U as in up. Remember one one zero. 
Text that to zero four triple eight one seven six two four for your amazing copy of Calvary to Pentecost. Amen. While stocks last, no. Uh, <laughs> first seven, first seven uh, people to do so. All right. Yeah. So we were just noticing Lot's wife turned into a pillar of salt. Instead of looking forward and looking up, she looked back at the city, although warned not to. And this kind of, we were talking about how it seems like a small sin, right? Mm -hmm. Like a small thing, but it really revealed where her heart was, didn't it? Yep. And um, yeah, we skipped one verse, Shavissa. We've read to everybody Luke 17 verses, you know, 26 to 30, and then we've read 32, but we haven't read 31. I did. You did? Yeah, in the last segment. Oh, but yeah, we where can read was it I? again. You were right there. <laughs> <laughs> Had a late lunch in a food coma here while she yeah. was uh, <laughs> speaking on radio. Anyway, let me just reread it. In that day, he who is on the housetop and his goods are in the house, let him not come down to take them away. And likewise, the one who is in the field, let him not turn back. This is a prefiguring. It was at the destruction of Jerusalem in the year AD 70. But it was a foreshadowing of the end of time, the mark of the beast crisis. And Jesus said, flee the city, leave the city when you see it happen. The abomination of desolation standing in the most holy or standing in the holy place, according to Daniel the prophet. And so Jesus warned them and the early Christians in the year AD 70, none of them were lost. None of them died Mm -hmm. in the destruction of Jerusalem because they remembered these words of Jesus and they left. Uh So in this context, Jesus says, when that happens at the end of time, don't look back. Don't go back to get your things from you. Just take what you have and leave. Flee the cities where that will happen. And he says, remember Lot's wife. Yeah, and I think we could probably draw some really uh, practical points on those on that on that instruction from Jesus. Yes. Um, maybe I'll start with one, and then yeah, go. yeah, definitely. We've got some here. We've listed the first thing that we think Jesus wants us to remember, as he says, "Remember Lot's wife." Is remember her because she perished, although she was a woman of great privilege. Mm. And I guess you know, in remembering Lot's wife, we should remember that she was Lot's wife. And in spite of all of his faults, uh, the Bible actually says that Lot was a righteous man in Second mm. Peter chapter two verse seven. Mm. So she is married into the only family on earth that was serving the one true God at this wow. time. Um, she was hashtag a blessed woman, if you <laughs> can put it like that. She had Abraham, the father of yeah, the faithful, as an a uncle. father that was yes, uncle an uncle. Um, so you know she would have heard his prayers. Um, and I'm sure that she and her husband were at the very top of Abraham's prayer mm, list. Yeah, um, she'd seen his altars. She knew what his faith was. And yet, in spite of this amazing example that he had, she herself had never personally exercised her trust and faith in the God that Abraham served. Mm. Her religion was not personal. It was pretended. Mm. And I guess that's something we can all relate to. How is how is it with you as as and, you know as we're listening and as we're talking? Each of us should be asking the question: How is it with me? Do I have a personal friendship with Jesus? Because, or am I just going through the motions? Or do I just have this intellectual knowledge of God, mm. but not a real personal one? Yeah. Wow. Very true. So powerful. And you know, you were mentioning how she was, you know, Lot's wife, a godly man's, or a, you know, a righteous man, as the Bible calls him, wife, um, the uncle of a man who was one of the most faithful people in all of human history, Abraham. Nephew of a man, yeah. Yeah, nephew, thank you. And so, or niece, rather. 
And um, depending on your yeah. pronouns, just, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> but um, anyways, the point is privilege cannot save us, can it? No, it can't. Privilege can't save us. Gehazi was Elijah's servant. He was stricken with leprosy because of his wicked decision that he made, his greed. Judas was Jesus' disciple. He walked with Christ, but his greed led him to choose to be lost. And so we need the grace of God to transform our hearts. It doesn't matter what we pro- profess, it matters who we possess. Mm. If we don't have Christ and the Holy Spirit dwelling in our heart by faith, then it doesn't matter what we profess, um, we will not be able to be prepared for heaven and for the trials and crises in life. Yeah, and you know what? It's a privilege to even have Christian radio coming to, your, yeah. to you right now. Absolutely. There are people in countries around the world that don't have this opportunity, That's don't right. have this pre- the freedom to hear radio on the Bible like this. That's right. Or they do, but they're they're hiding and they're they've got the volume way low or yeah. they have headphones on and they're hiding in secret because it's illegal yeah. to listen to the gospel. So the privilege doesn't save us, but a personal relationship with Jesus does. Absolutely. And so yes, point number two, um we should remember that Lot's wife perished although she had a clear warning of her danger. Wow. Mm-hmm. I mean, she'd literally been touched by an angel, right? <laughs> like she'd been grabbed, the, her hand was grabbed, she'd been led out of the city. And what an incredible spiritual experience this must have been. Mm-hmm. An angel's hand had pressed her wrist to take her to safety and she had gone, you know, a little way um, with that sacred constraint, uh, with that angel pulling her out of the city, yet she perished. So conviction is a privilege, When you're convicted of something, when you're convicted of right and wrong, when you're convicted of God speaking to you, it is a privilege. It's a blessing. And, you know, we really have a message from angels as well, don't we? Yeah, we do. Yeah, not just two or three. But if we reject messages today, we're going to end up like Lot's wife did. And sadly, most people don't have a clue um, what they're about. The three angels messages. That's right. Those two or three, you know, those three messages. Messages from angels. That's amazing. (laughs) I like what you said there because Lot's wife, she had two angels lead her family out of Sodom. We got three angels (laughs) messages um, to lead us out of Babylon into a place of safety and refuge in Christ. Yes. Amen. Amen. Absolutely. All right. Well, point number three then, if, you know, we've just to backtrack, you know, remember Lot's wife, that privilege doesn't save us. She perished even though she was privileged. Remember that she perished even though she had a clear warning of danger. That was your second point there. Point number three, Lot's wife perished, although she made some effort to be saved. Mm. I mean, we should point out for the sake of our listeners that she actually did get out of Sodom. Mm-hmm. With help, okay, she had help, but she got out. Yeah. That's something, isn't it? Like she was not inside the city. That's pretty mm-hmm. good, but it wasn't good enough. Mm. Yeah. I guess we'll find the reason why but uh, as we keep talking, but I guess for now we can just say that she perished even though she was outside of the city because the city was still in her heart. Mm, that's right. She made it out of Sodom, but Sodom didn't make it out of her. Yeah. Mm, so true. Point number four. Remember that Lot's wife perished, although she was almost at the place of safety. Wow. Mm. Almost. It's actually a little oxymoron. Mm. All and most. Almost. <laughs> Not quite. So it's, it's crazy when you think about it salvationally because to be almost saved means to not 
well, means to be Completely not almost, lost. but totally lost. Yeah. yeah, true. Yeah, absolutely. So why does Jesus tell us to remember her, Sharissa? Well, he wants us to remember that it's not enough to be an almost Christian, is it? Mm. To be almost forgiven, to be almost converted, almost born again, almost ready for heaven, almost free from sin, almost committed to him, almost filled with the Holy Spirit. Like mm. 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 All of those things that sound almost good, <laughs> mm. yeah. but almost isn't good enough. Yeah. And she was lost because I guess she... Still had this Sodom, as I said before, it was still in her heart. And God says, you know, I don't want you to be almost saved. I want you to be completely saved. Mm, yeah, I don't want you to almost choose me and almost want me and almost love me, but to fully be surrendered and to love me and to desire to serve me yeah. and to live for me. And I guess, yeah. I guess Jesus, he says these words to us. You know, it's a warning in the Old Testament, this story, and in the New Testament. Mm, true. Um, because... You know, there is coming a time, as you said before, when, you know, before this world comes to an end, when Jesus comes, when things are going to get really tough and, uh, you know, there will come a time when you will have to leave this world. Mm. Um, you're going to have to leave. And when that time comes, if you linger like she did, there may be a struggle. There will be a struggle. And so Jesus's point is, that, I think, if you bring it all down to it, it would be simply this, that day by day, the most important preparation that we have, each one of us, in being ready for Jesus to come is to have our minds with him right mm. now. Mm. Yeah, amen. Absolutely. You know, the whole issue was that she loved the world. Mm. She loved Sodom. And um, you know, I heard someone say a few years back, how can you put Beyonce next to Jesus and prefer Beyonce? <laughs> because you don't know Jesus. Mm. Like, that's it. If we choose this world, anything of this world, fill in fill in the blank instead of Beyonce, just fill it in with anything, a sports star, um, a sports team, a, um, a hobby that you have, the stock market, whatever. How can we choose those things over Jesus instead of Jesus? It's, it must be because we don't really know him, if that's the case, if we are choosing those things. And um, John Wesley said it well. He said, anything that cools my love for Christ is the world. Well said, isn't it? You Anything that cools well. my, my love for Christ is the world, yeah. And so, you know, they would have left a lot in that city, wouldn't they? Like they would have left material possessions. But more than that, how many children did Lot have? He had two daughters. That's right. But his sons-in-law were in that city, weren't they? True. They were being destroyed there. And the mother's heart, even though they weren't her biological children. Well, that means he must have had other children. Yeah, good point, because he had those two daughters who were unmarried. That's right. So that means he would have had two more daughters. That's right. Mm. Uh, well, that kind of makes more sense than why she, had she was She had children in that back. city, yeah, that they had tried to reach, that they tried to save. And you can understand, like, you know, we've just got a little baby now, and mm. um, mother's heart, you'd look back. Um, it'd be very natural to, to have your heart go back. But I guess even in this, there's a huge lesson for us, too, that... God wants us to put him first. Yeah. He comes first. Um, our love for him should put him first in our lives. That's right. And and God wasn't punishing her for some small, minute thing for no. looking back. She could have even had grandchildren in the city. We, yeah. we don't know. It doesn't say, but it's possible. Um, and they were perishing there. And, you know, we can feel sympathy for her and for Lot when we think of this. Um, but... When she looked back in disobedience to God, it was a revelation 
of more than the fact that her heart was breaking for her grandchildren or possible grandchildren, but for her children and for the people, the friends there, the life there. It was that her heart had not come out. That's so true. And the decision that she makes in a moment, she had not just made, like that wasn't the first time she'd looked back. She'd been looking back in her heart all along. Mm. Like yeah. it, it, this was the this was the direction her of her life. This was what all the choices she was making every day. This is where it was taking her. Yeah, very true, very true. Luke six forty seven. Jesus says, "Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you whom he is like." And then he talks about the wise and the foolish man building their houses on on the rock versus on the shifting sands. And what was the difference? Both heard the word. But one did the word. One followed God's word. They obeyed God's word and the other didn't. And God's instructions for us are because He loves us. Mm-hmm. Out of His love for us. Because it's ultimately for our good always, as Moses put it. Uh, to follow His ways and to listen to Him. Absolutely. Yeah. So we should remember Lot's wife to learn from her mistake and to remember to listen to God's voice. To be looking up. And to looking forward, not looking back, but looking onward, looking upward. Amen. Well, T-Back is going to bring us This Is My Father's World, and we'll wrap up with some final thoughts on this story right after. This is my father's world.
comes with that knowledge that this is our Father's world. Well, we have really enjoyed our Bible study today and so hope that you have enjoyed it too. And our time has come to an end. So, Justin, as we wrap up, what are the final thoughts that you would like to leave with our listeners? I'd actually like to just briefly share a story. It's um, recorded in a book called Story of the Advent Message by uh, E.E. Andros. And it's a story of a man named Eugene Farnsworth. As a young man, he surrendered his life to Jesus. He happens to be my grandmother's great-grandfather on one side of her family. And as Eugene Farnsworth used to tell it, uh, name, a man named um, John Andrews saw him after he had surrendered his life to the Lord and was, was uh, wanting to, to serve him. And Elder Andrews asked him, what are you going to make of yourself? And Eugene Farnsworth said, oh, I'm going to get an education. And Andrews said, oh, great. That'll be the best thing you can do. What then? (laughs) He says, well, I think I'll study law. He said, okay, you might do worse. Um, And then what? He says, well, I intend to be the best lawyer in the States. Okay, what then? I hope to make lots of money and maybe visit other countries. And what then? I suppose I shall get married and have a nice home. And what then? Andrews asked. Oh, well, um, I suppose I'll grow old and die like everyone else. And fixing searching eyes on the boy in the cornfield, the questioner asked Eugene, what then? And this was the single question that Eugene needed um, to hear. And upon thinking long and hard after this, and after meeting with a number of others and some deep heart-searching um, Andrews, you know, went to the boy and asked him again, Eugene, it's time for you to make a decision. And at that meeting, the boy completely surrendered his life to the Lord. And he decided to give his life to God in service. And he worked in ministry for a number of years. But it wasn't until he was fully surrendered to God that his will for him and his will for his life could be realized. Mm-hmm. And when we realize that this life is fleeting, it's short, there's not much... Um, really that this life can offer, we realize that only, and I love that old saying, uh, it's from an old poem, it says, only one life will soon be passed, mm. only what's done for Christ will last. Mm. That's one powerful message from the story of Lot's wife. Amen.
Uh, those are very powerful words too. I, um, I think I last saw those words on the Facebook page of a missionary pilot mm. who's gone missing. Um, oh, Daniel. Yeah, Daniel's. Knew uh, him. Yeah, his helicopter crashed just very recently in the Philippine Ocean there. But wow, what a reminder. Only what we put our hearts on for eternity with Jesus, oh. that's the only thing that lasts. That's right. And you know, this story is intended, it's been preserved for us to preserve us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and salt acts like a purifier and also as a preservative. And so we should each allow the story of Lot's salty wife, so to speak, <laughs> to do the, the work of salt in our life, to refocus our life completely on following Jesus. And, you know, Jesus wants us to be ready for his return. Mm-hmm. Everything that God has ever done is because he wants us to be ready to be with him for eternity. Amen. And when he shows up, I want to have a smile on my face as I look up and see the smile on his. And I want to be looking at him, Sharissa, with you too, with our precious son, Judah, whatever other children God may bless <laughs> us with, if he so chooses. <laughs> but that's ultimately the lesson of Lot's wife, to prepare us for Jesus' return, to be looking up. Amen. Thank you so much, Justin. Would you like to close in prayer? Sure. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for this powerful story of Lot's wife. A reminder that when you call us out, you will give us the strength to leave and to not look back. And so we pray for all of our listeners who have been listening to this Looking Up program that this message from your word will give them courage to always look up and look onward, to look forward and upward and never backward. We love you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, amen. God bless you all. It's been so good to have you. We'll have you next week as well, listening to us on this program. Looking up, don't give up, don't give up when there's pain deep in your heart. Keep looking up, don't give up, don't give up should the tears begin to start. With a prayer, all your cares he will cast into the depths of the sea. His love is always there for me. Lord Jesus Christ, our religious rituals are worthless. What pleases Him is faith expressing itself through love. And this is in reference to the book of Galatians, chapter 5, verse 6. There are so many ways we try to please Him. So many ways try to worship him so many ways we try to honor him but there's only one way just faith is all he wants from us just faith is all he asks of us just all the years from us mixed with love 
mixed with love. The final sacrifice was made on the cross, pouring out His blood for all who were lost. Then He said, "It is finished." Finished. It is finished. Now it's just faith that pleases Him. Just faith that worships Him. Just faith that honors Him. Mixed with love. Mixed with love, just faith is all He wants from us. Just faith is all He asks of us. Just faith is all He hears from us. Mixed with love, mixed with love, just faith. so many ways we try to please him 